I think it's a glorious journey that we are just members of a whole slew, a whole community of folks who I think are in the margins of the Christian faith world who are not only looking at ideas around stewardship or like health, ecological health, but looking at how we have been shaped wholly by the uh, paradigm of domination and consumption and exploitation and distance of the natural world. You're listening to the Theopoetics Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Burnett, and my conversation today is with Tevin East. Tevin is an artist, director, teacher, and performer who curates the Carnival de Resistance. The Carnival is a traveling carnival, village, and school for social change, bridging the worlds of art, activism, and faith. In this episode, Tevin and I discuss the process of rewilding the Christian spiritual heritage, as well as how her work as an artist and director has given her a unique platform to play with the themes of ecological justice and Sabbath economics. For more information about our sponsors, ARC, visit artsreligionculture.org. Thanks for listening. So I would say that the Carnival de Resistance is a community of folks uh, who are bridging worlds and who are uh, experimenting with um, practices that shape their concepts of the world and um, creative experiments that inform their theology. And people who are just really interested in figuring out how, um, how we play with embodiment and how we're formed. So we're, we're big on pedagogy. We're big on uh, experimenting with uh, bridging both the worlds of like, social and ecological justice with faith which has been gaining more and more uh, attention and momentum within the faith world, Uh, but then also bringing in play and clowning and storytelling and artists to sort of uh, poke at, poke at our precious concepts uh, around, you know, procedure for change um, and to sort of play with and suggest different theories of change. Um, So there's play, there's uh, clowning, and then how that connects with our uh, embodiment work in the eco-village to both be in an art experiment, but also be in a communal living experiment with a fossil fuel-free kitchen, and alternative practices uh, around food and waste and um, and uh, sharing life, like cooking. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, all these things kind of bounce around and impact each other so that uh, uh, it becomes just a really alive space for asking questions about 
method and asking questions about, yeah, practice and, and theory and, um, yeah, it's a very special experiment. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, so tell me then how you came to this, this uh, pedagogy or what, what was it about the, the role of play and creativity um, as a catalyst for social change that led you to develop mm -hmm. Carnival? I mean, and how did you even get the name? I, I love it. Ah, uh, sweet. Thank you. Um, yes, there's a, there's a few different influences that we are tossing into the mix. Um, and I would say that the play just comes most naturally because we're human beings and we were all children once and we all like were formed by play. <laughs> so the play is just kind of tapping into something that is uh, there. And, uh, but I would say the idea of like a, a, the traveling school concept came from my spending some time with the word and world community uh, that produced like 12 years of, of um, schools that they talked about bridging the seminary, the sanctuary and the street. And uh, those happened all around the country. And, and they were certainly in my mind as we were looking at uh, building a carnival that could pop up around the country as it has in the last number of years. Um, when thinking about the eco-village component, which is a different and very unique part of it, um, that came from my uh, exposure to some communities that uh, live lovely, righteous lives uh, of uh, sort of communally working together to operate the basic needs of, of um, growing food and sharing food and um, attending to our basic uh, lifestyle needs. So exposure to that, but also I spent some time on the road as a solo artist doing a one-woman show, which had some success, and I got to share it with like 150 communities around the country. It was wonderful uh, to live that way, yet lonely. <laughs> lonely, and it was hard to eat well and attend to the the way of life that I, that I was interested in. And so I was dreaming under the stars one night of maybe if we had a tribe doing this together, roaming together, we could actually care for each other and, and feed each other and do, um, do the work of embodying um, the way we want to live. And of course the stars answered <laughs> and, and uh, the presence of God is, with us, I think every time we're creatively dreaming, um, and I heard a big, oh yes, oh yes, this could happen. Um, but there are myriad examples of traveling performers in every cultural tradition, uh, and it is often um, nomadic performers that are are uh, cited as examples of of um, sustainable sustainable uh communities uh also we would we read uh william stringfellow who uh, had 
beautiful theology around the power of the circus. So we were inspired by that scholarship. Um, yes, and then of course the carnival tradition in and of itself is all about communal participation and embodiment and uh, yeah, subverting the, the normal ways uh, <laughs> of being, the societal um, uh, practices and creating something different, creating like a, a, a temporary autonomous zone in the street center. <laughs> with art. So there's the, yeah, influences galore that kind of merge together from carnival to um, the underground seminary concepts of word and world. We are tying together a lot of influences. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, and I noticed that one of the, the phrases that you used on, on the website was that you're rewilding in the way of Jesus. Tell me more about about what that means and what the significance is of, of rewilding the Jesus tradition. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely question and uh, could be the whole uh, podcast. <laughs> um, Maybe it will be. Yeah. The, the poetics of rewilding. Ooh, that's, that's just perfect. <laughs> Write that book. I'm ready to read that book. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. So this is a, a, um, I think it's a glorious journey that we are just members of a whole slew, a whole community, community of folks who I think are in the margins of the Christian um, faith world who are not only looking at ideas around stewardship or like health, ecological health, but looking at how we have been shaped wholly by the uh, paradigm of domination and consumption and exploitation and distance othering of the natural world, of, the, of creation. And over and over again within scripture, as our uh, mentors and teachers are beautifully have uh, written about over and over again, there is a uh, returning to the wilderness for healing, for encounter with God and as recovery, as a breaking from the concentrated wealth, the concentrated power of the Imperial centers. And through like pastoral nomadism as a theme throughout the uh, Hebrew scriptures um, as a way of, yeah, making some distance uh, that reweaves us, reconnects us with the wild um, and our dependence upon creation and the gift and the ways of living. Um, in a reciprocal, just connected way. Um, and of course this is, okay, so this is, um, 
work that we are finding inspiration through Jim Perkinson's uh, scholarship. Um, he wrote Messianism Against Christology, and he wrote a beautiful book of uh, the spiritual resistance, the political Shed Myers and his work on uh, watershed discipleship. That is a uh, community whose work we are resonating with. Um, that's about returning to the land as, as rabbi, as teacher, as the context of our faith journey, <laughs> as the, you know, uh, uh, barometer for our survival also like the, the watershed, the land is our survival is connected to it, but also our spiritual vitality is connected to the land. Um, so yeah, so rewilding, these are the reasons for rewilding and this is maybe the, the work of rewilding, but then it can go deep in some, uh, beautiful poetic ways within our scripture. Um, I mean, the within the carnival theater, we talk about the feral theatricality of the Hebrew prophets and go through a litany of examples where these, these Hebrew prophets are, um, how their message is uh, shown to be vital, shown to be, uh, uh, full of God's power because of its connection to raw nature. Um. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I see that throughout the, the long history of the Christian tradition. And I guess one of the questions that comes to mind when you think about something like stepping outside of civilization in order to transform civilization, the question becomes, when you've become oriented to this rewilding process, then what is, cause it's not a, it's not a cloistering uh, out in the wilderness in a sense. It's bringing, it seems like the, the movement itself would be bringing the wild back into the lives of the people. So how, how do you see that playing out or how do you sense that, that necessary moment of rewilding um, playing out as you in, as you then come back to to what what form of civilization we're all a part of in, in some sense in, in different forms and bringing that back to bear like how do you see that transforming the way you live in civilization that is a profound awesome question I feel um, full of eagerness and I have my urgency around um, detangling and trying to find alternative ways, but we are immersed in this system. It is, we are utterly tangled up in it. And it's, I, uh, you know, I feel my husband has been, uh, Jay Beck has been on a long journey of rewilding. Um, and it is, disappointing how hard it is <laughs> because there's a lot of shirking um the importance and the value of so many things that our world gives value to um yeah how would you name the system 
Well, um, goodness. Yeah. Like how do we rewild? What is the thing that we're, we're resisting? I, I think that it's, there's so many options and ever all of us are going to find ways to do it. Like for me, I am, I embody Miriam, the wild, wise, um, venerated, but also, um, uh, one with this troubling story, um, in Hebrew scriptures, she is a prophetess. She goes through Exodus. And there was a point where I was like, uh, I am shaving my armpits before I perform Miriam. This is weird. Why? And that is such a small, it's super small, but it's still noteworthy. And it caught me because I'm, we are in these modes of, modes of operating. Um, so that is a really superficial example, but there are so many ways that we are in modes of operating, I think, because of the value that the, the, val- the, the uh, scales of value that we have inherited from this world. And I think just getting confused, just letting ourselves let go of certainty and let go of legitimacy, <laughs> let go of even as an artist, there are no measurable, um, uh, like, there are no measurements that can qualify what happens. I have, uh, have people in the work of evaluation who can, can attest to this. And letting go of like uh, measurable outcomes, uh, letting go of uh, efficacy, all of this is allowing for us to get um, yeah, uh, uh, hold things in question feels really important. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, as I think about your movement with the carnival sitting at, at this dynamism somewhere between ecological justice and radical theology, I'm curious, because a couple of the things you mentioned uh, there, one was sort of letting go of the, the system of certainty, and the other one was letting go of the system of, I think you said efficacy, but this idea of almost like a meritocracy or efficiency or productivity or how are we producing right and so so how do both of those elements both ecological justice and radical theology inform the task of performance that you all are up to and how do they how do they how do they inform and transform or shape the the method that you all are employing Mm -hmm. i think that the really um uh difficult and interesting challenge that we have is that most people want to receive uh, a critique and a uh, laying out of the challenges that we're facing um, and quickly on the heels also receive a program for the solutions, how solutions could be implemented uh, or really 
quickly uh, have have an action or a plan that they can do or or um, it's I think folks can can write it off um, I think the the thing to share is that we very much embody uh, a sort of emotional uh, processing of the grief of the destruction of the planet and of our communities. Um, and we draw folks into a, uh, a celebration. We, we really move through a liturgical arc of um, honoring and, and thanksgiving uh, for this good gift of life and the good gift of uh, what is available to us and then grieve the destruction and then sort of hold the mystery. I feel like that it's a, it is very much spiritual work within our shows, um, that give people space really just to feel, feel a lot of things that maybe we don't always give space to feeling. Um, and also facilitate this process, this, this grief and the struggle. Um, I mean, we see the Holy Spirit caged within the show. We have profound um, images that for people to encounter. Um, uh, facilitate that process with also communal rituals, at the end that sort of either weave us into a, a web together or um, where people can experience water, the blessing of water, we get to invite people to touch the elements. And then we have a cathartic dance party at the end to, um, to be able to shake it out together and like feel that we're connected and that we're in it together. So uh, the shows themselves, I think, are, are like a, a way to metabolize and get moving the, uh, all of our despair about the ecological crisis, all of our uh, um, fear or our denial. Um, and... Uh, and is not a is not a place of um, programs except for to to offer this demonstration of what community can be together that we can celebrate and be together in the midst of it. Um, yeah, we do have local. We have a, a midway that I would love to talk about, um, and the uh, the local groups tabling that are just sort of sharing about what they're up to. So there are ways for people to learn about the good things going on that uh, are there and available to plug in, but it's not like an answer to the challenges that we're holding together. It's more like we've got to practice holding this together and we can. Yeah. I mean, I think that's crucial. The, the idea that there's some sort of 
emphasis or centrality on praxis rather than on merely what what might be in historically sort of in the Western Christian tradition ide- ideology theory uh, you know th- this movement from orthodoxy to orthopraxy you know I love that that what your response to my my other question was uh, we perform it you know what I mean we we almost liturgize it we 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 dance the grief and we dance the beauty together. And I think that one, one of the, the trends I think I'm seeing play out in, in much of Western Christianity, whether it's you know an evangelical expression or even a, a mainline liberal Protestant one uh, or, or another alternative expression is that people who have progressed theologically to a place where they can be conversant with something like radical theology or conversant with, with other, some other form of, of, of a theology that embraces high theory is when you go that way, you lose the emphasis on praxis. You lose the emphasis on embodiment. And we've yet to recover from that westernizing of the intellectual process to, to re-inhabit some of those ways of being that, that allow us to feel the grief or feel the beauty in our bodies and so so i'm just curious as to uh as to how you would see maybe some of the the methodologies that you're employing play out in a in a community that might be rooted in a specific place because not all of us have the ability to be traveling tropes of uh doing carnivals but how would you see how have you seen and how would you recommend uh, communities that are located in one place and space and committed to a certain region and land doing this kind of work weekly in a community? That's an awesome question. And I'm, I'm excited to dream into the answer. I don't have um, like a, yeah, let's discover. Let's think. It's not this. predetermined. It's definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I am inspired i guess by folks who are pushing through boundaries uh and who are bridging making bridges and um so it makes me think of like the uh church of the wild or the wild church network and folks doing church outside or farm churches, um, certainly the, the abundant table in California. And there's, there's many of these that have sprung up. Um, I think about communities coming together to mark time and seasons and place. Um, I, am uh, grateful to not be terribly far from Genesis Farm that has a long history of uh, land-based seasonal rituals that uh, put us in this context of, uh, um, yeah, uh, reconnecting to something that's sort of been forgotten. uh carnivals as far as the creative play i just the carnival is all about bridging art activism and faith and i just say you got to draw in the artists you got to look at the artists as uh 
as sources of, of guidance and, and, uh, and direction for the community and the artists have to be supported. It's so, uh, you can break through the paradigm where artists are expected to do, to do what they do for free um, and build reciprocal relationships between faith communities and artists. Um, you know, we are uh, in the carnival, we are going to have a parade through Center City. And that has just been uh, through uh, determination and um, yeah, our uh, stubborn organizing work and bringing together the arts community and the social justice uh, community. I know, you know, if they're bring community to organizers together from different sectors. So like bring the peace and justice community organizers into the same room as the artist community organizers. Um, I, yeah, this is, this is very much about, um, uh, figuring out how to best utilize the like passions and gifts of those who are doing the work. Um, goodness. Yeah. That is the first place my thoughts go to. Well, and I'm seeing a point of connection there and I'd love to hear you maybe reflect even a little bit more on this, but, but it seems to me that in terms of justice work and the role of the artist, there's a prophetic thread that ties them both together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as, as people who are enacting justice in the way that we live and respond to a community, artists in another sense are almost calling us from another place. There, there's, you know, maybe a voice calling in the wilderness, if you will, that, that are, is trying to get something else done in a more affective nature. You know, they're, they're trying to bring an aesthetic element that inspires us beyond what is. And so, so I'm curious that for, for you, how those two things hold together, how do art and justice sort of bring together a prophetic call to, to live um, in your mind? Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. That's the, that's the draw of bridging these worlds is to, to like lean into that. Uh, what is how to have prophetic imagination and how to have like uh prophetic will and determination. I mean, I, I just feel like uh, the activist communities have so much to teach us about courage and, uh, and just diligence and, and um, engagement. Um, I, I really, I, I really feel like if our, faith institutions are going to survive and respond to the incredible crises we're facing, the incredible mounting, ever growing higher stakes of uh, our ecological crisis and our cultural, the, the toxicity of uh, global capitalism led by economic elites <laughs> um it is if we're gonna do that if we have anything to do with that 
as a as a community of believers, as a as uh, communities of faith, we are going to have to draw in, get behind, um, uh, offer our capacity and and learn from, be instructed by uh, the creativity and prophetic imagination of the artists and the the courage and um, engagement of from the activist worlds. Now, I also believe that the activist worlds and artist worlds have something that they can uh, be blessed by and nourished by and um, offered maybe long, longevity and depth through the connection with the faith world, certainly. Um, certainly. But I'm uh, uh, more so than attempting to convert or um, uh, uh, convince artists and activists of the, le- the legitimacy of um, affiliation with faith institutions. I'm trying to trying to um, model and uh, and show the richness of faith institutions. Really humbly learning from and. Uh, and valuing those connections. Hmm. I wish more did, you know? Um, So for a moment, maybe I would love to hear a little bit more of your story, if you'd be willing to share about how you came to this perspective, because not everyone's able to integrate, you know, those, those elements into uh, a movement for justice. So, so, where along, like, what's your background? What's your history? Where along the way did you get your perspective transformed? And, and how did you come to this unique, you know, theopoetic perspective? That's lovely. Um, I appreciate your interest. And I hope I <laughs> uh, share this story in a way that enables others to um, connect and imagine, you know, this is mind a unique story and it's just full of uh you know befuddlement and human um like trial you know trial and error and all of that um but i am a preacher's kid i'm a double pk my mother went to seminary uh as i was an older child um but she's always and has my papa always, um, you know, beat the drum of social justice. They've raised us uh, to, as they were doing the work of of educating and advocating for uh, change within the Presbyterian Church around the inclusion of the GLBTQ community. And this was a was a really lovely i had uh theology the theology of the social gospel shared with me through my childhood so i didn't i was not raised with toxic theology um but i did get exposure to the divisiveness that can exist within faith communities um was exposed to really, uh, um, despite my papa attempting to shield his children, um, 
exposed to uh, the battles that can be waged within um, conservative Christian circles. Um, so my uh, seeing my papa quite persecuted from the church made me furious. <laughs> and it also, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a thriving church with young people or, you know, the youth group was sparse. And uh, when I danced as a young girl and a young woman within church, it was a space where I felt people averting their eyes. Um, it's a space that was uh, judgmental of my father bringing a woman in during his ordination service and bringing in a refugee family from Liberia. And for all the wrong reasons, they're, um, uh, yeah, felt, felt that estrangement and, and criticism as I was exposed to that persecution. I was also in college then, and then learning about the history of, uh, religion and the, uh, and the layers of misogyny within the, the patriarchal, uh, various, various orders. And, and, um, so I, I spent some time moving away from the church as I went deeper and deeper into my dance practice. And dance was a place uh, where deep, um, special experiences of collaboration, uh, special experiences of like of cultural exchange and uh, um, sisterhood, and um, yeah, exper experimenting. Um, yeah, I went to a, a a place full of very very strong women. Went to a women's college, um, and poured all my energy into the dance practice, into the dance world, which I continued to do after college. When I when I left college, I went and joined a project with the Zen Monkey Project that I later returned to and spent I spent about ten years with the Zen Monkey Project. Um, which was an experimental dance theater company in Charlottesville, Virginia. But also, I uh, right on the heels of that, uh, I did one project with the Zen Monkeys and then went to California and lived off-grid for two years as a young woman. <laughs> and we were collaborating. I had a handful of collaborators working in flat collaboration, like no hierarchy no director, um, which is a learning process in and of itself. Um, but doing this in this, uh, wonderful, um, community that was just steeped in, uh, land care. Uh, Gary Snyder is a poet and, um, conservationist and, um, Buddhist, uh, teacher and um he has so he was there but uh this community was profoundly um shaped my imagination for what it's like to 
you know, chop wood, heat your house with wood heat, to see people living without electricity, to live without electricity, to have, you know, uh, uh, a outhouse. It was wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and also to, to fall in love with the land, to fall in love with the river. Um, I had a, uh, returned to the East Coast and continued to do uh, practices with Zen Monkey Project, but would continue to uh, also revisit the river in California and, um, uh, and remain connected to that community. As I'm uh, returning to and doing work with the Zen Monkey Project on the East Coast, um, I'm heavily influenced by a, a dear friend and legendary woman, Zap McConnell, um, who herself kind of uh, would split her time between art projects and direct actions um, with logging uh, enterprises and illegal hunting. And um, she, she was this courageous, um, is a courageous, profound um, influence on my life. And uh, while I'm making art with her, we're um, thinking about and learning about corporate power and influence and ecological devastation. And she's has always made work that is um, tied to her deep love of uh, the natural world. Um, and uh, we're making art that has its like wisps of political, uh, uh, yeah, some, some political critique, but it's uh, more of a uh, contemporary experiments in dance theater that's heavily physical, um, dreamlike. Um, the narrative elements, um, if they're there, are sort of shattered and, and drawn back together in, you know, uh, mirage-like ways or... Um, so it's, it's not... Uh, theater that that goes through a story um but we got to do a lot of experiments and and within those experiments were some carnival projects uh 10 years ago i was 10 to 12 years ago i was organizing carnival projects with the zen monkey projects and the fabulous theater folks of charlottesville and uh mustering a huge expression of collective effort, uh, carpenters and sculptors and, um, and, uh, amazing. So we took over a downtown building and, and it became a carnival to a huge warehouse, huge warehouse. It became a carnival two years running. It's now been transformed into the Ix art park. And there's still threads, like little uh, uh, wisps and images of the carnival that um, the carnivals that once were um, there. But throughout this time of art making, I am getting um, what I often refer to as my eschatological itch. I am feeling, um, 
I've been drawn back to the church, uh, to a church that was modeled after Church of the Savior in D.C., um, and was really brought back to Jesus through some train hoppers um, who were Christian train hoppers. And and I was like, well, this is not expected. (laughs) This is a a way of embodying faith, which is um, different than what I was uh, raised with exposure to. So I entered back into the, the really reading Matthew Fox and Marcus Borg and um, was uh, utterly impatient with the trajectory of my life and wanted to shake it up and get into God's work. Like wanted to know that I was doing something that was supporting restoration and redemption and reconciliation like wanted to see that that was see those fruits um and i was questioning if art if the carnivals were doing that so i left art making i uh left teaching left uh producing cultural events and went and lived in D.C. with the Church of the Savior community for a year. Did a program there called the Discipleship Year with an amazing bunch of women. So that's 10 years ago. And after that, that allowed me the space because those wonderful people there are so good at recognizing call. Um, And because I got to do advocacy work with an incredible office that was um, tying the pieces together between uh, ecology and economics and faith. Um, That launched me into into this um, most recent experiment in my life, which has been to make art that's explicitly about my faith, um, to make art that is explicitly about, uh, that has invitation and, and desired impact. Um, it's not art that's just about my personal curiosities with movement. Um, it is art that is about, uh, yeah, that's working to, to shake things up in a certain way. And it was a, it was a big leap. It was such a big leap when I decided I was going to do uh, leaps and bounds, which is my one woman show indicting uh, our growth oriented economy. Um, and, you know, it has economics lessons, but it also has biblical stories about resistance to empire and, wilderness healing. And, um, when I did that, it was the first time I'd ever toured. It was the first time I'd ever done something solo. It was the first time I ever did something with so many words with like story and theater. And it was my first time doing something explicitly faith-based. 
And thank God I was held through that process and enabled to, to uh, launch into that work and be received uh, and welcomed in places. Yeah. yeah. Thank God for that indeed. Um, sounds like you've been on quite an adventure. Uh, that was so comprehensive and beautiful. Um, well, I'll say this. One of the, the phrases you used a couple times that stood out to me is that you're shaking things up. And there's, the, there's almost these moments, I think, not only in our personal lives, but in our society, where there's a threshold that we're, we're bumping up against and we're, we're, we're trying to push through. And I think sometimes we need to shake things up in order to move to a new place. So, so as you've come to this prophetic, artistic, theopoetic, faith-based, embodied work, um, where, what do you see it stirring? Um, what do you see it shaking up in our, in our society, within this system, within this uh, economic system and ecological system? How do you see both your work and the Carnival shaking things up uh, for something new for today? Hmm. Well, I hope that the answer to that is like manifold and far beyond my concept <laughs> of what it could be. That is my prayer because it's going to, it's really just going to be about how the individuals who are touched by this, whether they be carnival crew members who are immersed in this thing with us for a month or our local partners or the audience, um, it's going to uh, be about all those, those many places of, of impact and how um, those individuals might, whether be encouraged just to dig in with what they're doing or to form a new relationship or to, um, I mean, we've had crew members uh, leave their work and go into immersion programs uh, and learn a new language or um, enter into peace and justice work um, in it at a new level uh, or um, yeah, enter into community experiments. Uh, that has been a blessing to, to be able to track a little bit more the ways that the crew members, um, their journeys might have impacted, been impacted by the carnival. Um, I also believe that it happens for the, the churches that host us. And, oh, I'm just certain it's going to be like tons and tons of ways that I can't even imagine because it's going to be all of this invisible internal digesting that's going to happen over a long period of time. That's the other thing. Like the best art is stuff that just we remember and that just works on us over time as like uh we recall that a certain thing is possible or we recall um, that something was poetically unraveled in a certain way. So I actually don't know how to answer that, um, you know, 
entirely. I do hope that people will contact us and answer and share with us uh, the ways that the carnival uh, impacts their imagination or shakes them up. I would love to learn as much about that as possible. Um, It has shaken us up for many years. Well, it's just a five years. We've been doing the carnival for five years. This will be our seventh expression of the carnival. And we see this as a, as a time to allow it some closure and allow us to, um, uh, holds this question of like, how would the, how would this form die and then be reborn? Um, yeah, cause yeah. it's a, it's a giant, it's a ginormous project. Um, right. we haven't gone through all of the programs <laughs> that are tied to this thing, but it is a huge project that, um, we even understand that it's not meant to last for forever. And uh, this is an art experiment. And so uh, we know that it is going to um, shake us up and um, be fodder for the next uh, uh, journey. Yeah. Yeah. So then... I wanted to ask just a couple more questions and then we can wrap up. I don't know how you're doing on time, but um, so one would be, what's your advice for people who are looking to do work at the intersection of art and faith and justice? Uh, It doesn't have to be in the same manner that you all are, are expressing it, but it just says somebody who's done the work has clearly had a journey to a place where you've got a movement that's, that's move well that a movement that is flourishing how what would you say for somebody who's getting started i want to do something in theopoetics or in the arts or in embodiment and faith and action where do i start i would just say learn uh learn about collaboration what are the opportunities for collaboration cuz they're there <laughs> And, um, yeah, none of this work is meant to be done alone. And we have, uh, how, how to do bridging work alone. You cannot, it is all about, uh, collaboration. And so collaboration, there are teachers, there are, uh, things you can read and there's the Holy Spirit who will, um, who will slap you and nudge you and help in the process of, you know, we have to reckon with our egos when we do collaboration. We have to reckon with our um, attachments uh, when we do collaboration and our, and our tendencies to create the agenda. You know, we, the, you know, the, Spirit can nudge us and help us do this sort of undoing, unlearning work um, that's involved in collaboration, but simply just starting by reaching out and seeking um, someone who you want to work with, work for, uh, work 
to support. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Great. Uh, well, lastly, then, how can we keep up with the Carnival de Resistance? How, how can we keep up with your work, with what you all are doing? Where would we go online, elsewhere? How do we stay? Wonderful. Yeah. The, I do want folks to understand that this, the Carnival is a project of Holy Fool Arts, uh, which is a... Um, which is a theatrical production company um, shaped by uh, folks who are doing work at these intersections. Um, and the carnival is the largest expression of what Holy Full Arts does. Um, but as we journey and find our uh, other callings and other projects down the road, there um, folks can uh, check out Holy Full Arts dot org and stay connected to us uh, we send out uh, monthly newsletters and they are all about the carnival right now so do um, that's a great way just to just to get a little hello and nudge and update from us the carnival can be found at carnivaldayresistance.com or on Facebook we have uh, a really wonderful spread of awesome events scheduled for the summer that you can learn about by just going to the website. The major events are the two weekends of the residency. We're going to be in this, it's our first time inside, we'll be in this giant gothic church in center city philadelphia like right next to city hall in the masonic temple like right in the heart of things we are going to take over and turn it into a world of wonder and open the doors on both fridays and saturdays from five to seven will be the carnival midway all the games and sideshow acts and interactive installations and performers and crafts and play. And then we have our productions on Friday and Saturday night. They are different. On both Fridays, we have our Earth Air show called Rooted Wind, which is about the cedars of Lebanon and a discussion between Raven and Dove, the birds of the apocalypse from Noah's story. Um, and then Saturday night is our water show titled Wading Through Deep Water. And that features Miriam, Moses' sister, the priestess of the water, as I previously mentioned, and John the Baptist. So those are, are going to be just so special. They're going to be super fun nights. Tell your Philadelphia friends. Get people to our weekend events. And then we also have events throughout the week, including Eco Village Tours. We're going to have a skill share in this amazing place called Open Kitchen Sculpture Garden, where like homesteading skills, alternative energy, street art. Then also um, the parade, as I mentioned, the artists and the, and the 
environmental justice groups coming together to um, make a call that eco-justice folks have a specific call and the artists have all sorts of invitations for to help us get into the intersectionality of, of these issues. So it's gonna be a fun time. You can watch and get updates about these special events on Facebook. And also all of these events are on Facebook so you can share that you have interest and invite your Philly friends. <laughs> um, our desire is to, to really extend the welcome. It's all uh, free admission. We invite people to support us as they are able and support us out of their generosity. And, um, but there's no requirement of, um, that people support at all if they're not able. So, um, yeah, please share the invitation as widely as possible. Will do. Great. Well, yeah, thank you for being with us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your heart and, uh, your talents and um, I, my hope is is that you and your movement continue to transform and inspire um, people to embody justice and and a deeper sense of wildness and and connection so and congratulations by the way on being the first recipient of the Huba Malvas award in theopoetics mm-hmm. yeah thank you that was very special and I'm really grateful to learn about uh the the work of this association and this growing um movement of uh theopoetics and and um all of the bridging work bridging the the connections that that y'all are doing it's um encouraging it's deeply encouraging to join that to join that conference well, we're glad to join you as well. So thanks again for being here, Tevin, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Be well. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Theopoetics Podcast. You can head on over to check out more of Tevin's work at holyfoolarts.org. And if you like what you heard here, you can log on to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform and subscribe and leave us a rating. You can also keep up with us on social media at at TheopoeticsCast or tweet at me at at TD Burnett. Also, don't forget to check out our sponsors, ARC, at artsreligionculture.org. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Burnett. Love wisdom, create beauty, and make peace, everyone. <laughs>